Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time, we continued chapter 21. Nienor was healed of her sickness, but she could not remember her past. Turin Turumbar proposed marriage to her, and after some hesitation, they married. Orcs began to spread through the land, and Turumbar once again wielded the black sword. Glaurung heard about the sword and went to Brethil. Turumbar and two companions set out to face Glaurung. Nienor, Niniel, took a sword and followed them. Dorlas turned back, and Hunthor was killed by a falling stone. Turumbar continued on and managed to deal Glaurung a deadly blow, but he lost the sword which became lodged in the belly of the dragon. He returned to retrieve it, and as he did, the dragon's venomous blood burned him, and Glaurung's malicious gaze knocked Turumbar down. Today we conclude chapter 21, beginning on page 222 of the second edition. The screams of Glaurung rang in the woods and came to the people that waited at Nengirith. And when those that looked forth heard them and saw afar the ruin and burning that the dragon made, they deemed that he had triumphed and was destroying those that assailed him. And Niniel sat and shuddered beside the falling water. And at the voice of Glaurung, her darkness crept upon her again, so that she could not stir from that place of her own will. Even so, Brande found her, for he came to Nengirith at last, limping wearily. And when he heard that the dragon had crossed the river and had beaten down his foes, his heart yearned, towards Niniel in pity. Yet he thought also, Turumba is dead, but Niniel lives. Now it may be that she will come with me, and I will lead her away, and so we shall escape from the dragon together. And after a while, therefore he stood by Niniel, and he said, Come, it is time to go. If you will, I will lead you. And he took her hand, and she arose silently and followed him, and in the darkness none saw them go. But as they went down the path to the crossings, the moon rose and cast a grey light on the land, and Niniel said, Is this the way? And Brande answered that he knew no way, save to flee as they might from Glaurung and escape into the wild. But Niniel said, the black sword was my beloved and my husband. To seek him only do I go. What else could you think? And she sped on before him. Thus she came to, towards the crossing of Tiglin, behind Haud and Eleth, in the white moonlight, and great dread came on her. Then with a cry she turned away, casting off her cloak, and fled southward along the river, and her white raiment shone in the moon. Thus Brande saw her from the hillside and turned to cross her path, but he was still behind her when she came to the ruin of Glaurung nigh the brink of Kabed in Aras. There she saw the dragon lying, but she heeded him not, 
for a man lay beside him and she ran to Turumba and called his name in vain. Then finding that his hand was burned, she washed it with tears and bound it with a strip of her raiment and she kissed him and cried on him again to awake. Thereat Glaurung stirred for the last time ere he died, and he spoke with his dying last breath, saying, Hail, Ninior, daughter of Hurin, we meet again ere the end. I give thee joy that thou hast found thy brother at last. And now thou shalt know him, a stabber in the dark, treacherous to foes, faithless to friends, and accursed to his kin, Turin, son of Hurin. But the worst of all his deeds thou shalt feel in thyself. Then Glaurung died, and the veil of his malice was taken from her, and she remembered all the days of her life. Looking down at Turin, she cried, Farewell, O twice beloved, at Turin Turumba, Turin Ambara Taranen, Master of doom, by doom mastered. O happy to be dead. Then Brandir, who heard all, Standing stricken upon the edge of ruin, hastened towards her, but she ran from him, distraught with horror and anguish, and coming to the brink of Kabed and Aras, she cast herself over and was lost in the wild water. Then Brandir came and looked down and turned away in horror, and though he no longer desired life, he could not seek death in that roaring water. And thereafter no man looked again upon Kabed in Aras, nor would any beast or bird come there, nor any tree grow. And it was named Kabed Neramarath, Leap of Dreadful Doom. But Brande made his way back to Nengirith to bring tidings to the people, and he met Dorlas in the woods and slew him, the first blood he had ever spilled, and the last. And he came to Nengereth, and men cried to him, Have you seen her? For Niniel is gone. And he answered, Niniel is gone forever. The dragon is dead, and Turamba is dead. And those tidings are good. The people murmured at these words, saying that he was crazed. But Brandir said, Hear me to the end. Niniel, the beloved, is also dead. She cast herself in the Tiglin, desiring life no more. For she learned that she was none other than Nienor, daughter of Hurin of Dolomen. Ere forgetfulness came upon her, and that Turomba was her brother, Turin, son of Hurin. But even as he ceased, the people wept. Turin himself came before them. For when the dragon died, his swoon left him, and he fell into a deep sleep of weariness. But the cold of the night troubled him, and the hilts of Gurthang drove into his side, and he awoke. Then he saw that one had tended his hand, and he wondered much that he was left nonetheless to die, to lie upon the cold ground. 
and he called. Hearing no answer, he went in search of aid, for he was weary and sick. But when the people saw him and drew back in fear, thinking that it was his unquiet spirit, and he said, Nay, be glad, for the dragon is dead, and I live. But wherefore have you scorned my counsel and come into peril? And where is Niniel? For her I would see, and surely you did not bring her from her home. Then Brandir told him that it was not so, and Niniel was dead. But the wife of Dorlas cried out, Nay, Lord, he is crazed, for he came here saying that you were dead, and he called it good tidings, but you live. Then Turumba was wrathful and believed that all Brandir said or did was done in malice towards himself and Niniel, begrudging their love, and he spoke evilly to Brandir, calling him Clubfoot. Then Brandir reported all that he had heard, and named Niniel Nienor, daughter of Hurin, and cried out upon Turumba with the last words of Glaurung, that he was a curse unto his kin and to all that harboured him. Then Turumba fell into a fury, for in those words he heard the feet of his doom overtaking him, and he charged Brandir with leading Niniel to her death, and publishing with delight the lies of Glaurung, if indeed he devised them not himself. Then cursed Brandir and slew him, and he fled from the woods, from the people into the woods. But after a while his madness left him, and he came to Halth en Eleth. And there sat and pondered all his deeds, and he cried upon Findulias to bring him counsel. For he knew not whether he would do now more ill to go to Doriath to seek his kin, or to forsake them forever and seek death in battle. And even as he sat there, Mablung with a company of grey elves came over the crossing of Tiglin, and he knew Turin, and hailed him, and was glad indeed to find him yet living, for he had learned of the coming forth of Glaurung, and that his path led to Brethel, and also he had heard report that the black sword of Nargothrond now dwelt there. Therefore he came to give warning to Turin and help if need be. But Turin said, You come too late. The dragon is dead. Then they marveled and gave him great praise, but he cared nothing for it, and said, This is only, this only I ask. Give me news of my kin, for in Dorlomen I learned that they had gone to the hidden kingdom. Then Mablung was dismayed, but needs must tell to Turin how Morwen was lost. Nienor cast into a spell of dumb forgetfulness and how she escaped them from the borders of Doriath and fled northwards. Then at last Turin knew the doom that had overtaken him and that he had slain Brandir unjustly so that the words of Glaurung were fulfilled in him. And he laughed as one fay, crying, This is a bitter jest indeed! But he bade Mablung go and returned to Doriath with curses upon it. And a curse, too, upon your errand, he cried. This only was wanting. Now comes the night. Then he fled. He fled from them like the wind, and they were amazed, wondering what madness had seized him. 
and they followed after him. But Turin far outran them, and he came to Cabot and Arras and heard the roaring of the water and saw all the leaves fell sear from the trees as though winter had come. There he drew forth his sword that now alone remained to him all of his possessions, and he said, Hail Gerthang, no lord or loyalty dost thou know, save the hand that wieldeth thee. From no blood wilt thou shrink, wilt thou therefore take Turin Turumba, wilt thou slay me swiftly? And from the blade rang a cold voice in answer, Yea, I will drink thy blood gladly, that so I may forget the blood of Beleg, my master, and the blood of Brandir slain unjustly. I will slay thee swiftly. Then Turin set the hilts upon the ground, and cast himself on the point of Gerthang, and the black blade took his life. But Mablung and the elves came, and looked upon the shape of Glaurung lying dead and upon the body of Turin, and they grieved. And when the men of Brethil came thither, and they learned the reasons of Turin's madness and death, they were aghast. And Mablung said bitterly, I also have been meshed in the doom of the children of Hurin, and thus with my tidings have slain one that I loved. Then they lifted up Turin, and found that Gurthang had broken asunder. But elves and men gathered their great store of wood, and they made a mighty burning, and the dragon was consumed to ashes. Turin they laid in a high mound where he had fallen, and the shards of Gurthang were laid beside him. And when all was done, the elves sang a lament for the children of Hurin, and a great grey stone was set upon the mound, Thereon was carved in runes of Doriath, Turin, Turumba, Dagnir, Galurunga, and beneath they also wrote, Nienor, Niniel. But she was not there, nor was it ever known whither the cold waters of Tiglin had taken her. In summary... Niniel finds Turin and the wounded dragon and desperately tries to stir Turin awake. As Glaurung dies, his spell on her is broken and she remembers her life. She bids farewell to Turin, whom she now knows to be her brother, and casts herself into the waters. Brande returns to the people and tells them what happened. As he is speaking, Turin appears. He curses Brande and slays him before fleeing into the woods. Just as despair overcomes him, Mablung arrives. He shares all that he knows, that more impoverished and Nieno fled, justifying Brande. Turumba returns to Cabot in Arras and asks Gerthang his sword to slay him swiftly. The blade agrees and Turin takes his life by casting himself upon the point of the blade. Mablung and the men of Brethil arrive and find Glaurung and Turin with the blade broken. The elves sing a song of lament for the children of Hurin. And that ends chapter 21. How many episodes did it take us to read chapter 21? Seven. Seven? Are you kidding me? It's a lo- I think this is the longest chapter. It's lo- this is longer than Baron and Luthien. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it feels like forever we've been like, and we're continuing chapter 21. <laughs> yeah. The, the, not that I'm like excited to be finishing up, but that we're now starting 22 next week and there's only 24 chapters in the Silmarillion. <gasps> so we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Love it. All right. So turn to Rumbar. <laughs> Greg, give it to me. No, I just okay. Let me let me say this. I'm not trying to cast a you know a definitive judgment on the character of Turin Turinbar, but this is something that stuck out to me hearing Dan read when he realizes what has happened. When he realizes who Neonor is, uh, this is page two twenty five. It says, and this is after he's killed Brandir and. Um, just before he curses <clears throat> Moblung, he says, um, it says, then at last Turin knew that doom had overtaken him and that he had slain Brandir unjustly so that the words of Glaurung were fulfilled in him. So I was wondering, like, what words is that referring to? And I think what that is referring to is back on page two thirteen. That's when that's when Glaurung has like that conversation with mm -hmm. you know he, he accuses him of all kinds of things. So let me read that passage, and and maybe we can discuss like what exactly was fulfilled of these words. This is what Glaurung says: "Evil have that. no, I can't do the words. Um, <laughs> Evil have been all thy ways, son of Huron, thankless fosterling." Outlaw, slayer of thy friend, thief of love, usurper of Nargothrond, captain foolhardy, and deserter of thy kin. Do you think any of that uh, was fulfilled in him? I, I, I think that that is referring to what's already passed. But maybe there's a also a foreboding in it. Um. That was from previous encounter. Yeah, so um, Thankless Fosterling, I mean, he what, he leaves his family, right, and mm -hmm. becomes an out, outlaw. Well, the, well, before that, he just, that wasn't, I mean, he leaves, he's, a, he's adopted by, by um, Turgon, pretty much. I mean, not Turgon, I, um, Thingol. He's adopted by Thingol. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's it. As a yeah, child. so adopted by F Thingle, become an outlaw, kill kill well, killer well, of Salos Vink or Beleg at this point. I think it was I think Beleg at that point he's talking about. But yeah, but and that was accidental. But what about Thankless Fostering Fosterling? Was yeah, he Thankless? Yeah. Was he Thankless? He was a Fosterling. Was well, I think Laurung isn't to be trusted. I think he's when he taunts, it's like there's truths in it, but it's also there's lies. It's not there lies. are lies in it. Yeah, and he, yeah, he does lie in this. Um, yeah, so I think it's a mixture of love, but lies, but maybe maybe it's also a foreboding. Which part do you think is the foreboding part? The um, slayer of thy friend and thief of love? Well, usurper of Nargathron, I think that's happened by now because he's, he's pretty much given Oradreth the counsel to go into battle and Oradreth dies because of it and as, as well as others. 
Gwyndor dies. Um, I think most of that stuff is true in that statement. Not that all of it is like with evil intent, but you know, he, he is like a, a beloved foster son of Thingol and he kind of forsakes him. Like he never returns to Doria mm. and even curses Doria in this moment. Well, that, yeah. I mean, here's a, there's another quote of Glaurung that might be the fulfillment. Um, and it, it's on a two fourteen. And if that if thou tarry for Findulias, then never shalt thou see Morwen again, and never at all shalt thou see Nienor, thy sister. And they will curse thee. Well, that's um, not true, though. He he did see her. No, he didn't. He saw yeah, he... he saw a girl, and he fell in love with her, but he didn't recognize her as a sister, and she killed herself before he could see her as his sister. That's true. Yeah, so I guess in one sense, Glaurung is only focusing on what he can accuse Turin of. None of the um, nuances, I, I suppose, for lack of a better word. It's true, so, yeah. Like, he's, he like you can him... say true things about a person that are they're true, but they don't tell the whole story. Um, right, right. I think one example of that, even in that list of things that he says, is Slayer of Thy Friend. It yeah, wasn't right. out of malice or evil. It was yeah. it was like an accident that he thought he was being attacked and So yeah, yeah, it's it's true that he slayed his friend. Yeah. Yeah. But to be but a slayer of story. a friend. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a friend it's slayer. Not saying enough. <laughs> yeah. He's not saying enough. That's a good way of putting the lie. I th- I just think I think in this statement or in like what it's describing here um he's just overcome in despair. Like he whether he was guilt, like whether he was guilty or not, guilty or guiltless, in all of these various things, I think he's just overcome with despair, recognizing his life has been just tragedy, like total tragedy, tragedy after tragedy, that leads to him begging for death from his sword. What were the circumstances surrounding him killing Brandir? So this is how I understood this. Brander comes to the people and he's telling them the dragon's dead. Um, Turin's dead. Niniel jumped off a cliff and she's gone forever. And then Turin comes up and he hears all this stuff. And he's like, that's not true. I'm alive. My wife must still be alive because you're lying through your teeth. Yeah. The dragon is dead. So he, he just like reads everything that, that Brander is saying is with, with uh, malicious intent. Yeah, he charged Brander with leading leading Niniel to her death and publishing with delight the lies of Glaurung. Right. If he didn't devise them them himself. Yeah. And he cursed him and slew him. Yeah, he also, killed him in, in a crime of passion. And also, um he made fun of his his lameness. That's really mean. That's he did. For. Where? He called him f- Clubfoot. And spoke oh. evilly to him. <laughs> Guys, stop laughing. This is I'm not this I'm is just... crying. That's how I cry. <laughs> it sounds like I'm laughing. I I don't know. I to me this I it, this makes me like him less. I know he killed a dragon, yeah. but no, yes. Yeah. Okay. So his life ends 
Yeah, but on a very down note, morally, very questionable. Um, he makes critical errors, morally repugnant errors. However, with the lore, with what we know about Turin, I just looked this up just to, so we had some, you know, foreknowledge of what's to come. This is not the end of his story, according to um, the prophecy or the second or last prophecy of Mandos, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah, that's um, what it is. Yeah, where is it? It's at the bottom. I'm at the Lord of the Rings dot fandom dot com. The, le- the second prophecy of Mondo states that at the end of time, Morgoth would wage a final battle against the Valar, the final battle, and that Turin Turumbar reincarnated would plunge Gurthang into Morgoth's heart and defeat him once and for all, exterminating evil forever and avenging the children of Huron. That means that Gurthang has to be resurrected too. But... Um... <laughs> And that's before, it says before Turin leaves the world circle. So it looks like... Wait, wait, no, no, because I, I looked up something similar and it said that it was in like the earliest version of the Silmarillion. Yeah, it was later removed from the Silmarillion yeah. by Mr. Christopher Tolkien. What? Who is the what? editor? Boo. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a posthumous work, so Tolkien didn't really have a say. Right. I wonder what his reasonings were. Maybe the story it, wasn't completed. Maybe there isn't a story of that. And... It could have been as simple as the story didn't fl- flow that well. Hmm. Like, it didn't really fit. Because the unfinished tales are similar. They just don't really fit. Not that they're not a part of the canon or not loosely connected to it. I just think it's interesting that if Tolkien's writing this story... He doesn't see this point as the end of Turin. Yeah. He sees Turin as a tragic character that Oh, that's a good point. made these decisions close to the end of his life in passion, crimes of passion, and then will but his end is in victory, uh avenging the children of Turin. Hmm. That he of all the people he could have chosen, it's this man, Turin yeah, Turumbar, yeah. to kill Morgoth. Hmm. Yeah. The final battle. That's interesting. Yeah. I, 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 okay. To kind of like speak more to your perspective on this or to give weight to your perspective. Um, I really love this part where these elves come from Doriath and Mobilung's leading them. And he's, he's like, I've come to assist you in fighting Glaurung. And Turin says, you come too late. The dragon is dead. And then it says, they marveled and gave him great praise. Like, they acknowledged his heroic deed. And they, they like, they were just like, I mean, none of the elves have proven, like, capable of doing this. They've been trying to do this for centuries. You know, they've been at, at war with Morgoth. And no one, they've just been, like, routed by Glaurung every step of the way. And... Turin is able to do something that close and armies could not do. Yeah. Which does say something about like his his strength, his greatness. He should be admired and applauded or praised for his bravery 
and his cunning, um, his perseverance, his long suffering. But there's other things he should be, you know. He reminds me of the Punisher a little bit. (laughs) Really? Yeah, because it just has sort of anger problems. (laughs) (laughs) But is is somewhat of a hero, but has a tragic life. Mm Mm-hmm. I said this before we were recording, but he re- he reminds me of John Lennon. I don't know like deeply the his the you know history of John Lennon, but John Lennon had some tragedy in his life. He's lost his mother at a young age. I hold him accountable for like kind of ruining the Beatles, personally. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, there's all, no one really knows any of that stuff. But he also made some beautiful music and uh, had some you know weird stuff in his life too yeah maybe the the question we can end on is in what can we if we how do we answer the question did this person live a good life Hmm. you know because that's really the question we're trying to ask i do think and i i i think this is consistent with what i've said before so i hope i'm not contradicting myself here but i think many of the things that we see that are wrong with him were not his own choosing. Like, Beleg is, like, the prime example of that. Or there's great mitigating factors. It's like, well, I don't know what I would have done in that situation, you know? Totally, yeah, totally. We we all would have been, you know, something like this in uh, in the midst of war and, and tragedy. You know, an author will ask the question, what's the worst I can bring my hero through? What's the worst thing that could happen to them? It's a good question to ask because it forces you to place your characters in like the most um, compromised situations that forces them to de- dig as deep as they've ever dug before to like find victory, you know, ultimate victory. Mm-hmm. And so Tolkien just t- thought, what's the worst that could happen to Turin? And he brought him through the worst. <laughs> and yeah. so even though... He- a lot of his actions aren't admirable and aren't justified. They're at least mitigated by his circumstances. Hmm. And I think his he's an admirable character because of the great thing he's done. Um, you know, so, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dan, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask, how do we, so what are the comparisons and differences between him and uh, Baron? That's a good question. Hmm. Because like obviously similarities are they're they're both warriors. Um, both brave both beyond men. belief. Mm-hmm. They both cause the fall of. <laughs> and Baron's like, I'll just go to Morgoth <laughs> and get the Silmaril from his crown. Yeah, like that's what I'm gonna do. And Turin's like, I'm just gonna go kill Glaurung yeah. with my sword. Yeah, you know, <laughs> something I was thinking about. I, I almost said it as a joke last time, but it's like, what happened to the Silmarils? We haven't heard about the Silmarils. <laughs> I know, yeah. But um, that wasn't part of Turin's story yeah. at all. Baron, that was a, that was a you know, deeply intertwined with the story of the Silmarils, but, but Turin wasn't, you know, okay, let me, can I backtrack a little bit? In, yeah. in light of your question, Cameron, I think one character that we can compare turn against is Glaurung, who is like pure evil and he accuses and he deceives and he lies and he kills mercilessly 
And he actually, in many ways, like, I think the phrase he used, Cameron, was he toys with his food, you know? he He's, like, just pure evil. And even comparing Turn to him, you can see that he's not just pure evil. Like, yeah. if, he, if he wanted to just succumb to, like, the temptations in his life, he's a very powerful man, and he could have done much worse things than what he... When he <laughs> is, Baron, is Baron a... Is Baron the best man that we have come across thus far? I in, think so, yeah. In Silmarillion. Really. So he's on one end of the scale, and then we have Glaron, who's not a man, on the other end. Where does Turin... Where's Turin? Is he like... I, mean, he's, I feel like 55, he's like... 55? 55%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Towards uh, Glaurung? Or towards... Is he more like well, Glaurung? Th- I think he's more like Baron than Glaurung. Okay, I think all right. So. You know how... Because he's a man. Scripture says if, I think it's in Revelation, that if if you are, or maybe it's in the Psalms, I don't know. If you are lukewarm, the Lord will spit you out of it's his Revelation. mouth. Revelation, yeah. When Turin was, when Turin was touring with the outlaws, and he was just in a very, I mean, he was just killing men for selfish reasons. In that sense, I think he was just cold, icy, in an evil state uncompromisingly evil but as he got later in his life he had this heroic deeds and these crimes of passion that are more more reasonable and understandable than being an outlaw just killing men and robbing them um so yeah i think he ends up more in this tragic compromised heroic you know like like a a war hero comes back from war and he's like a very bad person. <laughs> like you don't want to, you don't want this person to babysit your kids, but it's like you fought the in the war. Like you're so brave and noble and thank you for fighting for my freedom. But he ne- you're not he, nice. <laughs> he needs a he what he needs is a Gandalf or mm. an Aragorn. Mm. He needs a leader who can cuz he he doesn't need pushing, you know. He's not cowardly. He needs reining in, but he needs somebody who can like harness that and shape it. He never, he never gets it. Um, well, I think he forsook, forsook that a little bit. I think, I think Thingol was that or could have been that, but he, he kind of had this prodigal son moment where he like ran off, um, despised the mercy of Thingol. But, but Thingol he never got returned. soft, you know? Yeah, Thingol was soft, yeah. After uh, the Luthien incident, he just, he just went, he just got soft. I'm just glad that uh, Saruman never crossed paths with Turin and they became like the sort of antithesis to like, yeah, uh, Gandalf and Aragorn. You know, okay, I have one more comparison. I know we're running a little bit long, but someone, let's, let's, I like doing this. I like this, like, let's weigh him against these yeah. other characters. What? How does Turin compare to Frodo? <clears throat> Gosh, I, I, my instant reaction is like he doesn't at all because. But that's not here's true. Only, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Frodo's so pure and and. Mm, but Frodo is also cursed. That's true. Fro- Frodo, when he destroys yeah. the ring, and yeah. then comes back home, he's cursed. He's a shadow over him. He can't rest. And there's something about. War changes you. And you, you go on the front lines and you fight a dragon and you come home and you're never the same. And you can't just 
everything can't just be peachy. There is a shadow that hangs over you. And even even in the fact that Frodo in the in the moment of truth failed. He didn't yeah. choose to destroy the ring. He he fell to the temptation of it and tried to take it, you know. And I think that's kind of similar to Turin's end where he he yeah. just was overcome by despair and darkness. Maybe Frodo was overcome by pride. Um but uh Tarumba was overcome by despair. Now, in both cases, though, there was a good outcome, ultimately. And maybe that, and I know it's, I, th- I believe it's, like, pretty widely speculated that this is kind of like the action of Iluvatar in the world. You know, the fact that Gollum is still there with them in that final mountain, moment in Mount Doom. And even his, um, like, evil intent brings about good in the eucatastrophe of the ring being destroyed, right? And there's something about that too. Even even though Turin ultimately succumbs to despair and darkness, he does accomplish this great good in destroying Glaurung. Yeah, I, I also think with the comparison with Frodo as well, Frodo's very loyal, but then also responds to a higher calling. Um, whereas Turin does not respond to the higher calling, um, a few times at least, like he didn't respond to the higher calling of return with me to the courts. We'll see the King. He'll like, let's just go through the process. You'll be fine. You know, he didn't mean to kill, kill Salos. Um, and Turin doesn't respond in that way, but there's a, there's also a loyalty to him where he he loves his mother and his sister and he's trying to like save them and get back to them. He's like a, he's like a he's trying to be a prodigal son that returns home. Um but he can't quite get back. Whereas Frodo gets back but then can't stay. Yeah. Interesting. I this, think um, I'm supposed to wrap my last up word after will be Cameron's that when I read this story for the first time I was so struck at um, Niel's. Is that her name? Niel's. Niel. Final words to Turin. Farewell, O twice beloved. Mm. Master of doom by doom mastered. Yeah. Oh, happy to be dead. Just so poetic and sad. But I love it too at the same time. <laughs> On that cheery note, Twice if you beloved. like what you heard, <laughs> can we, wait, can we do one last thing before we end? Just to this is not even more cheerful, but maybe okay. more lighthearted. How does uh, how does Turin's death rank amongst all the deaths in the story? <clears throat> I think it's up there. I yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it evokes kind of you know samurai honor deaths. Um, uh, I mean, it's not as cool as who was the one that fought Gothmog? Was that? Um, I think that might have been Fionor's son. Yeah, Finrod I think it something? might have been Finrod. It yeah. wasn't. I don't think it was one of Fionor's sons. I think it was. Um, uh, There's some cool ones. Like, I mean, this this was. I think his his act was really cool, but his death wasn't that cool, in my opinion. Yeah. No, it wasn't as lame as like Hunt Thor in the in the last 
previous chapter, not chapter, but reading. Where what about Nimrod? Glaurong's like just moving around and disturbs a rock that falls off and hits Hunthor in the head and just kills him. <laughs> I will go with you. And he just dies. <laughs> That's pretty lame. That's yeah. funny. Tolkien introduces a character, kills him immediately. <laughs> Gosh, this this story is so unrealistic. It has talking swords. I know. I don't know why yeah. we're reading this. Yeah. yeah, was that supposed to be like a comedy moment? Like, <laughs> Yeah, why didn't you do a voice for the sword? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I didn't know. How do you do a clear metallic uh, voice? I want to like, do a metallic It would have been like, yeah, I will drink thy blood gladly. Yes. It would have been something. like, <laughs> Tammy, like this. <laughs> um, but actually, before we end, that goes back to your point about like the objects having like a will. Mm. Um, maybe we should re pick that up again. Objects and lore items having a will mm. of their own and um, a conscience. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three Silmarils out of three. Follow us everywhere at Before the Fellowship. Join the discussion on Discord. And send any comments or questions to beforethefellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard. The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm.